You're listening to the Podcast Detroit Network. Visit www.podcastdetroit.com for more information. Coming to you from Podcast Detroit, it's Heard, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. Heard is a collaboration between the Hungry Dudes, Nick Drinks, and the Detroit Optimist Society. Each week, we interview industry professionals about issues related to food, beverage, and hospitality. Please take a moment to subscribe to Herd through the Apple Podcast app, Google Play, SoundCloud, or however you subscribe to your podcasts. Write a review and let us know what you think. For additional content, including awesome videos and photos, visit HerdPodcast.com, like Herd Podcast on Facebook, and follow at Herd Podcast on Instagram. We appreciate your support and hope you enjoy this week's episode of Herd. Hello, friends, and welcome to Herd, your food, beverage, and hospitality podcast. I'm Joe Hakeem, and tonight I'm joined by Vato. Oh, whoa. Thanks for turning me on. <laughs> Nick. I'll turn you on. <laughs> Nick, who's back from Europe. How yeah. is it? Yeah, the United Kingdom. I'm going to jump the gun and just say I just got turned off by the... Yeah? Yeah. I mean, like, we were there, and, like, the like Brexit was just, like, the only thing. I meant you turning Vato on. Turn <laughs> That's turning you off? <laughs> the idea of you in London, that I'm intrigued by. But, but no. not turning on Vato? No. <laughs> Jason's here, too. Yes. <laughs> I, I agree with you, Jason. Thank our, you. Our special guest, uh, the founder of Bees in the D, Brian Peterson Roost. Thank you. Hi, Ro- Brian. Welcome. Yep. You got it. You got it. <laughs> Not roast. Not roast. Not roast. Roost. roost. <laughs> All right. So, Brian, uh, off your website, I want to just go right into this because this is a, a very fascinating topic to me because we haven't had anybody talking about bees here yet. But I got to wander around the top of DCD, Detroit City Distillery. You had some bees up there, right? Oh, yeah. You yeah. You, you weren't up there to the hives? Yeah. They got to let me wander around. That was fun. Wonderful. But we'll, I'm jumping the gun. Okay. So, yeah, yeah. so uh, Bees in the D have introduced 6 million bees and manage over 100 honey beehives at over 39 locations across five counties in two countries. Uh, they're the busy bees building the Motor City Motor City's Bee Highway. I like that. That's little, awesome. Yeah. yeah. So, all right. So let's start with DCD. Like, I mean, you you have clients then, right? Lo- so yeah, we partner up with a lot of different businesses and even homeowners and corporations to help with the bee uh, population, the conservation of bees. So, so is beekeeping safe? Oh, yeah. Honeybees are actually very docile creatures. Um, Obviously, uh, everybody always thinks about the stinger, uh, but that's just to protect their hive, their queen. So it's very safe. If they hit you, they're dead. Yeah, they really got to hate you. That's the thing. I mean, they've sacrificed their their Mm -hmm. little lives Mm -hmm. to protect, so they don't want to sting you if they don't have to. So so you say conservation. So what is something that the average homeowner is doing to deplete the bee population? Well, there's a lot of strikes against the bees, unfortunately, but a homeowner, it, it, it probably the biggest problem is using different kinds of chemicals, mm-hmm. uh, Roundup, pesticides, things that, um, you know, the plant absorbs and then the bees get the nectar or the pollen from it and it they get trace amounts of it. This podcast brought to you by Monsanto. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, mm. <laughs> So to go back, I mean, you know, growing up as a kid, you know, you're cutting the grass and all of a sudden there's bees and you're just running, running, you know, in all different directions. So you're telling people, no, you don't have to run. Just don't mess with their, their where's their home? I mean, so, a bee's not going to 
I'm so glad you said that because those weren't bees. Those were actually wasp. Okay. Um, and there is a difference. Uh, wasp actually live in the ground. And so like when you are mowing the grass and you go over their hive, they're much more – I use the word defensive. I don't like the word aggressive. Um, but uh, wasp, the yellow jackets, the bald-faced hornets, all of these different kinds of bees, uh, they're very territorial. Actually, I just said all these different kinds of bees. All these different kinds of wasp and, and hornets are very territorial. So those those were not honeybees that were chasing you. Okay. But they all get lumped into that bee. Exactly. And so that's the very first thing at all of our events because our other main mission besides conservation is education is to talk about that, to share with them about the difference between wasp and bees uh, so that we don't just lump them all into one category. Now, a couple of years ago, uh, there was this stories all over the news about the bee population being like uh, almost decimated, right? There is something called uh, colony collapse disorder, where the bees were just disappearing. Uh, there appears to be a little bit of an uptick, and the bees seem to be doing a little bit better. Um, but unfortunately, uh, their numbers are still declining from what they used to be. And it's not just oh, used to be. Bee. I know. It's just, <laughs> the puns are going to be here all day. Let's get this going so we can be a little buzzed the as puns well. Will be here. Um, a little but, buzzed. Oh, man. <laughs> See, I'm already getting in there. Um, but Nick actually, Ritzke's, they're. Uh, got to run for his money tonight. Oh, oh, he's going to make a lot of t shirts out of this one. <laughs> Uh, but anyways, uh, the native bees are also – their numbers are declining. So like the bumblebees, um, the leafcutter bees because uh, honeybees aren't native to North America. Hmm. So, um, so killer bees, are those bees? So they are. They're technically okay. honeybees. They're still Apis mellifluorus. There's your big scientific word for the day. Um, but they're just a different strand of bees and they are slowly um, – crossbreeding, if you will, with the Italians and the, the Germans. I, I'm waiting for jokes here, too. Um, and then they become Africanized, which Africanized bees are known as killer bees, and they're a little bit more defensive. See, so, I didn't you say aggressive. So wasn't, wasn't there like a, a big media push like a couple of years ago that the, there were swarms of killer bees that were like on their way to America? You know, or like North a caravan America? of bees? Wow. <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that one. Um, right, but I heard like there was yes. like, concern for that. And there are there are actually the Africanized bees down in our warmer states along the south border. So Texas, California, Arizona, um, even into Florida a little bit, uh, but they cannot winter. And so they we do not get Africanized bees here in Michigan. Okay. Why is it Africanized? What is the what what does that mean? They originally this strand of bee or this species of bee originally came over from Africa. But what but what is it about being Africanized that gives them the more defensive posture? It, it's just you know every creature is different, <laughs> and so uh, one of their main uh, objectives is uh, to protect or to uh, actually they like to propagate more, and so uh, they are very defensive mm. towards their hives. And you said so. Backtrack again, though. So, we lump wasps, hornets in with bees, but they're not bees. They're something else, but they're part of the same like family, right? So they're all insects, um, and they fall into another phyla or whatever. Uh, but they are not bees and wasps are too different. So the the best way for me to talk about it too is yellow jackets are probably the most mistaken for honeybees. You go to the the cider mill. 
you know, you go. And oh, yeah. They're, they're all over. They're in your face. Those are yellow jackets. But everybody assumes they're bees. Everybody goes, oh, these bees are horrible. And it's like, those aren't bees. You don't say that around me because I'll be like, um, excuse me, those aren't bees. Those are technically wasp. Uh, and people are like, okay. <laughs> so now I got, I'm, I'm going to backtrack again. I'm like, curious. Why well, you are do there? a lot of backtracking, I do, don't like, you? Because like, you just said something like, why, why are they so attracted to cider mills? Oh, why are the the wasp Sugar. attracted to cider mills? Yeah, they do this Same last the ditch. Are. Yeah, <laughs> the, the, it really is true. <laughs> they love sweet things. Uh, wasp are actually omnivores, though, so they'll eat meat and what? Yeah, what? Yeah, they'll eat meat. Tell me how a wasp eats meat. That's scary as hell. So, he's backtracking now too. <laughs> so you got to think of it this way: other bees, other animals are meat. I mean, we don't. You can't say other bees. Mm-hmm. They're not a bee. Well, no, other like. Like bees, honeybees. Okay. They are meat. And uh, so okay. one of the biggest – one of the problems we have with our hives is that the, the yellow jackets will, if it's a weak hive, attack it uh-huh. uh, so they can have their fill. Uh, not only do they get the sweet honey that's in the hive, but they also get a Bee little bodies. bit of a little protein. So they're going after the – is it the scent of the cider that they're going after? Is it the – they want anything that they can eat because it's the end of the end of the season. They're in desperation, and so that's are they attracted what. by scent? Are they yes. attracted? Okay, yep. Wow. So, so you just made the comment of a weak hive. So there's weak hives and strong hives. So kind of explain the difference in in the bee world of what that means. So bees are just like humans. You've got some that are very productive and some that are not so productive. So like a Bato and a Nick Britsky. Right, exactly. (laughs) (laughs) My stare can't be translated into audio. And so uh, some hives build up faster. Uh, the queen is laying more eggs. So like in one hive, the queen may be laying up to 500 eggs a day. In another hive, a queen could be laying 2,000 eggs a day. Oh. And so obviously their numbers are going to increase. They'll become a stronger hive. Um, but the lifespan on a bee is... Okay. So a queen bee, uh-huh. uh, so we got to break it down. Yep. So a queen bee can live upwards of five years. Whoa. Not typical. Wow. Uh, usually one to two, three if she's lucky. The worker bees, which are female bees, which that's... that's it's so hard. There's so much to tell you. Uh, the female bees are workers, and they live about 40 days. That's it. Okay. They literally work themselves to death. So that's why there's so many right, eggs, right, because right, there's right. so many dying. And then there's male bees, drones, that can live up to one season. But at the end of the season, all the worker bees kick the boys out, and they freeze to death. So I was kind of close, hmm. because I got all my education from the Pixar movie. Oh, the the... the <laughs> The B movie, yeah. or you're talking the, the Seinfeld Bugs movie? Life. Huh? Not the Seinfeld. Are you movie. talking the Seinfeld one no, or no, the, the Bugs pic- Life? Yeah, the Bugs Life. Okay. Oh, okay, okay. All my all my education about bees was from that. Because the <laughs> B movie actually was pretty good and pretty accurate about a lot of things, except for Jerry Seinfeld should have been Elaine, <laughs> because the boy bees don't go out and forage; <laughs> they don't work. And so these giant bees that came out—that's it, it should have been all females. The, so the bees that are uh, attacking you at a cider mill are those male bees or female Wasps. bees? Those are Wasps. So those are those wasps. Are wasps. Wow. Uh, but if Damn we're going to talk honeybees, only the females have a stinger. Males don't even have a stinger. The drones don't have a stinger. Does the queen have a stinger? She does, but it doesn't have a barb on it like all the workers. So she can sting more than once. So the barb, the barb, See? <laughs> so the barb sticks in you, and then when it pulls it, out, it, it rips its tail out. It, it rips, rips her abdomen, off. and then they eventually die, yes. Wow. Yeah. But you want to get that stinger out because it continues to put some of the venom into you. And so the sooner you get it out, the less venom and the less you react. I I want to be clear that we're not talking about the violent nature of wasps and bees here. No, we're I know. I don't why, like why the they're direction so important. this no, is yeah, going. I think understanding <laughs> the distinction of it. Well, I, I, I'm yeah, fascinated. But, 
But but so I, I want to go down the path of like so the, the, we have the three types of bees um, and they each have a role within the hive. So what are those roles? Right. Uh, so the worker bees basically do everything, and that's the females. That's from a queen laying a fertile egg. They become a worker bee. So when they uh, emerge after 21 days inside a cell, that's why they make bee comb to put the honey and to raise their young. Uh, they'll start by cleaning out that cell, and then they'll start taking care of the young bees that have recently emerged. And then eventually there'll be a fanner bee or an undertaker. They'll take the dead bees out oh, of the hive. Oh. They keep a very clean hive, by the way. Settle down, Joe. <laughs> you just said some wrestling. Oh, yeah. boy. <laughs> Undertaker's a wrestler. And then like guard bees out front, and then eventually they graduate to a forager. Uh, where they get to go out and forage, which is the most dangerous. The drones, which are an unfertile egg that the the queen lays. And who who fertilizes the eggs? Um, we'll, we'll get there. That's okay. where I'm getting. Okay. So the drone is an unfertile egg that it, it, they're a little bit larger. They have one goal in life, and that goal is to breed with a virgin queen. Uh-huh. Uh, but not their own because, Ooh. you know, no, no interbreeding in this hive because they want the best genetics. And so each wow. night the drones in the summertime – go out around evening to an area that the scientists nicknamed the Strip, Hmm. and they fly back and forth, hoping that a virgin queen will show up, just like humans. So that's a queen that doesn't have a hive. It's a queen that is a newborn queen that maybe is replacing a a weak or dead queen, or they're swarming, which is another story. Um, And so she's looking to mate with 15 or so drones that night. It's her night of fun. Um, But (laughs) That drone, it's such an, literally an explosive event that he dies oh. right after he breeds with her. Oh. Wow. Um, Sounds it, It's quite terrible. amazing, but that's what he lives for. But if they don't find a virgin queen, because there's not many, they fly back to the hive and hope the next day so they what, go out. So what triggers a new queen then? A couple things. Okay. If their hive is growing too fast and there's not enough room, they'll do something called swarming. Mm-hmm. And they'll break into two. So the old queen is going to take half of the bees. So she leaves. She leaves okay. with about half of her children. Mm-hmm. And they tr- wait to find a new location. So a swarm is just this big ball of bees. You might have seen it before. And there yeah, are scout me bees. When I was... No, no, they won't chase yeah. you. Those are wise. I know. <laughs> Let me write this down for you. Uh, so they make this big ball of bees and they send out scout bees to find a new location and they communicate this new location and eventually they'll leave. Um, so that's one reason they outgrow their old hive. The new queen that just made it goes back to the old hive and now she's the new queen. So if you see a swarm, is that when you'd call people? Oh, yeah. People call me and I'm like, and you're, the, you're the guy you're the right swarm away. Guy. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay. I Because that's a free group of bees and mm-hmm. I want to help get them into a hive that's safe. Okay. Um, and also it's, it's, it's a fun process. It's really cool. I have a BVAC, but you don't have a BVAC. (laughs) I don't. Yeah. (laughs) It's a special vacuum that sucks up bees. I mean, but doesn't harm them. That's incredible. It's pretty cool. How many are in a swarm? It depends on the hive. So if the hive is 60,000 strong, it could be upwards of three, uh, 30,000. Boy, there's my math. You can tell I'm already on break. Um, so, uh, about half of them will go, but it could be a small swarm too, and just be a few thousand. Hmm. It just depends. So, so, question: What is a hive? What's a hive? Yeah, like what, like what, like how does it form? So the bees need an empty cavity, like something that's empty. So it could be the hollow tree, and then they go in, and then they have glands on their belly that makes beeswax, 
And then they make the, their little disc of wax, and then they pass it to another bee that that's their job to form the cells as we know them, the hexagons, to put the honey in for the queen to lay the eggs in. We as beekeepers provide them with a nice box with nice frames so it's all neat and they, you know, they like it because it's, it's the perfect dimensions. Uh, so not to bring up wasps again, but that kind of image see, of now he's doing well. Now the image of the hive that that we see so saying. often is that a wasp hive right. or is that in fact a beehive? So the ones are you talking the ones you see in the tree that look like a like paper a cone? Exactly. cone yep. yeah. Those are wasps. Okay, That's those are thought. a species of paper wasp, and that okay. they get the name because it's a papery substance. Yep. But then there's some wasp or hornets that live underground, uh, like the ones that chased you when you were <sighs> mowing the lawn. Oh, <laughs> so. Uh, more ignorance here. The only two things that I know that bees do is pollinate flowers and make honey. Is there anything else that's productive to, you know, our agriculture society that bees do? Yeah, a couple things. They also make something um, called propolis, which is a sticky substance. They use resin or uh, uh, some of the sap from trees, and they seal their hive with that. But Humans are now finding that it can be useful in things. Um, and then, of course, they make the honey, which is both delicious, good for you, and also now they're using a lot of honey with wounds because it helps heal right. um, uh, wounds, especially in the, the pet world. A lot of uh, veterinarians are now using it more. They use that in the movie. Uh, um, oh, it was a Denzel movie. Oh, man. He took honey and he heated it on the stove and he poured it on his wound. Um but I don't know what that was. Okay, I'll, I'll get it back. But he, it was uh, they, Philadelphia. Was he in that one? Glory. Wow. No. He was Glory? in Philadelphia. Was it a, Wait, no, a Philadelphia was Tom Hanks. This is like he's an assassin, but he like heated oh. up honey on. He had a, a gun wound. He heated up honey hmm. and he poured. Training it. day. No man, oh. it's just like a new movie. I'm just yelling out Denzel movies. <laughs> he poured it on his wound and it kind of like uh, sutured his wound. Yeah, I don't that, know if that's like a. No, it really is, and there are some people that really really uh, would rather do that because of the natural uh, effects of that. But the other thing that I was going to add, too, is we just think of the honey and the pollination for like our gardens, but you have to think about the fact that they're helping the plant be healthy because the plant that goes to seed or fruit is healthy, but then they also provide you know the 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 plants that our cattle need and our so it, they're huge in our in our our food industry, but they're also huge in our whole food chain. What role do, do does human do humans play in the propagation of these hives and the maintenance of them? So I'm a minimalist. I tell people that all the time. I I introduce the bees in the hive, and once I introduce them, um, I check on them a little bit more often in the beginning just to make sure the queen is healthy, make sure there's no disease. There's a lot of diseases that ail honeybees right now. Do you mark um, your queen, or can you find the queen? Um, some of them I get are marked. Okay. I have marked queens before. I don't traditionally do it because it's kind of fun to try to find her without <laughs> her being marked because okay. she does stand out. Um, do you wear an outfit when you try to find her? Like the bee suit? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I right. always wear And I'm very big on that. There's a lot of beekeepers that – I mean, it shows how docile they are. They don't even wear mm -hmm. you know equipment. But I'm all about safety because we're education. I'm bringing kids out in the hives. I don't want them to get the impression that they can just go up to hives. Um, and so I'm all, I always wear the protective gear. Um, so uh, what was I talking about? 
It's talking about finding the. We queen? were talking about e- the Equalizer, the Denzel uh, movie. The, oh, no. she's oh, somewhere oh, back yeah. to Denzel. <laughs> the the, the role humans play. Oh, the yeah. roles human play. Yeah. So yeah. I do go in the hives uh, once or twice uh, every three weeks or every month, uh, unless the hive is having a lot of issues. Then I'm going to be checking it more often. There are times that I have to manipulate a hive to try to get them to create a new queen. Uh, which is kind of interesting in itself because they can make a new queen from a, an egg. Oh, wow. um, and so sometimes if I notice a hive is queenless, uh, but they have no eggs, I will take a frame from another hive and put it in there that has eggs and they can draw out a whole new queen. Wow. Yeah, it's so, pretty cool. So you, you have multiple hives across the metro Detroit area and multiple counties. You Go, you visit these hives on a regular basis. You have like a rotating schedule. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, my truck has more miles on it than I think anybody else's vehicle. Um, <laughs> but we are zoning them. And so I have volunteers that are going to be helping hmm. with that. And then to keep them organized, I actually have an app on my phone called Hive Tracks. Yes. And uh, when I pull up to the hive, it has GPS. It automatically pops up the hive. And then I can enter all the data that I did with that hive or what I noticed or how you know, much honey they have and keep keep track of it by doing that because when you go to 102 hives, they all start to kind of look the this same. This is like serious business, man, right? Oh, yeah. Like this is, I mean, you talk about... This is like the foundation of agriculture. Yep. Yeah. I, yeah. And I mean, we're just getting into honey. We haven't really gotten into honey yet. I, I want to no. talk about honey. Well, and I'm, I, I do want to mention that the the awesome we've been so well received it's like i was a little nervous because people instantly think of those wasp and stuff but i think people are starting to understand the importance of honeybees and so i kind of say they're the new panda you know the world <laughs> wildlife federation did all that panda stuff and now the panda population's up i think people are starting to realize we better do something here mm-hmm. or else we're not going to have bees mm-hmm. um but i do need to share this cuz it's kind of interesting walmart just bought a patent for little drones that are artificial bees. Um, if you saw the Black Mirror episode, it's kind of like that. They they have these little robot bees they're creating that will pollinate. Holy shit, wasn't it? Wait, uh, the, the bees thing, that was in... Uh, uh, Philadelphia. Oh, no. Oh, here we go. Denzel Washington. <laughs> are you kidding me? No, the uh, Scully Mulder, X-Files. The whole thing was like bees, right? They had the bees that were going to trans... Oh, the fires, come on. I thought that was Black Mirror. No, it was X Files. Oh, okay. No, there was Black Mirror. Too. Was it? Yeah, too? yeah, yeah. It, it might have been. It's both. scary every because bees scare people, right? But but I like this that whole thing. wasps scare people. Yes, I'm sorry, but how, how did it happen? We'll get, we'll how did get, people we'll think that bees? Eventually. How did people think that bees were like you know, wasps were bees? Like, is is there a because they? I mean, they're they're, they're buzzing around and they they do look about the same size, and it's not like you can stop and really look at them. But honeybees are very fuzzy and golden-colored, and yellow jackets are yellow and black Mm. and smooth. Um, So if you could see them stopped, you could tell the difference Uh for the most part. But We're also like the dumbest nation in the world, so it doesn't help either. (laughs) for yourself. (laughs) I have a question about – so we're talking about there's been a decline in the honeybee population. Earlier you had mentioned or when he asked about – you know, what households uh, do and part of that was the chemicals that they're putting on the plants. And so – and then you had mentioned I, – I didn't really catch – was – is there some sort of like macro thing that's going on or is it just – is it an aggregation of all those micro household activities with the with the, you know, the chemicals and stuff that's just adding together or is there some – 
other thing that's going on, like like I'm just talking like is it climate change or some something else that's going on from a way high level that's really affecting the bee population, or is it just a bunch of individual behavior that's sort of all together? It really is still a question mark to a lot of scientists. And for a while there, they thought it was the cell phone waves that that was causing it, or mites. Um, Wasn't there like a mite thing? Oh, too? the mites yeah. are a huge problem. Mm-hmm. I have to treat all my hives um, and check them for mites. Uh, it's 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 called the varroa mite, okay. and they have come over from you know we're a global society, so we get all these pests that mm-hmm. the animals don't know how to, they haven't adapted to them yet, and so the mites weaken them, which then if there's pesticides, it weaken them even mm-hmm. more. Um, but the interesting thing is uh, we're finding because MSU has a, a wonderful bee program, and you can send your honey. So this honey right here, we could send it, and they could examine it and tell us every kind of plant that they what? got the nectar from and they can see if there's you know trace amounts mm. of pesticides and things but what they're finding is a lot of the honey in inner city or urban beekeeping has less pesticides than out uh-huh. in the country cool. uh, because who's treating vacant lots and right. uh, the yards are much smaller so people just you know maybe pop the dandelions and don't spray for them um, so it, it is interesting to think that the honey, is pure from the city uh, so, standpoint. So my my honey questions relate to color. There's a lot of mm-hmm. distinction as it relates to color in terms of when you buy honey commercially at a at a grocery store or or whatever your market you're shopping at is. Can you talk about a little bit of what yeah, the distinction is? I between love that? that about honey. I was explaining uh, earlier that. Uh, we don't mix our honey. A lot of commercial beekeepers just put all the honey from the different locations in one vat and it mixes. It's still honey. But we do separate harvests at all of our locations because each location tastes and looks different. Like one honey is going to be super white, light color, like lavender. And then one is super golden. And then if you have like... uh, Dark amber. Oh, really dark honey. Uh, There's... um, uh, I can't think of the the plant right Mm -hmm. now, but there's uh, one that's super dark. Um, and it's almost like molasses. And they all then take on different flavors as well. So it's it's really cool. So what we do is I was explaining uh, just down the street from here at Ferndale uh, at Bee Nectar, we do a, a honey sampling where we pair it up with a different mead because each honey has a different flavor. And so I love that first taste out of the hive. Like, oh, what is it going to taste like? Like the one we did from Kobo. That hive had almost a cinnamon flavor. And the only thing we think of is the chefs grow a bunch of Thai basil up there. And we're thinking some of that nectar. So it's the, like a terroir. Ter, like, it's like with grapes for, for wine. Terroir. Yeah, it's exactly so, yeah. like that. Yeah. So is there a garden variety honey that um, you recommend for the consumer to say this is going to be the middle of ground kind of honey? The main thing I usually say about honey is I always say if you can buy it from a farmer's market or a local beekeeper, you're not only supporting that beekeeper who's doing great things, but you know you're getting what, you know, honey from your area. You're getting fresh, raw honey. Um, And you'll notice if you get fresh, raw honey, it tastes so different than, let's say, the honey in the packets or you go to the dollar store and it even says on the back it's corn syrup. How how, how do you know what the nutritional content is how do you know what the sugar content is uh from your farmer's market if it's not commercially produced uh that i don't know about this because it is it's technically pure sugar i mean it really is sugar um 
but so there, right. So there's obviously there's nothing additive to it. But. No. So you'll notice on honey, it will just say ingredient honey. There's nothing added. Now, some people have started to make flavored honeys that's infused with stuff, which is, it, it's delicious. Then they have to say that, you know, it, there's other ingredients in it. So, so we just tasted a, a jar of honey that, that but you But it doesn't have you. a location. Like, oh, can, the, can you buy so, the different locations? So it does. So the, the, he knows the location, Brian knows the locations by the date. We date all the bottom of our jars. Mm-hmm. And so if you <laughs> buy a jar and you go, hey, I got a 914, uh, that's Eastern Market Brewery. These okay. are from the two highs that are up on Eastern Market Brewery. So I want like a tasting pack. <laughs> yeah, it, they actually you can get tasting packs, but you have to come to one of our events at Bean Nectar. So, so I was at Blake's. You guys were at Blake's, right? We did it at Blake's yep. as well. Yeah, so I saw you guys there. Did so you like come a, to that event? I did. Yeah, the big like super crafting event with all the like. Okay, so you were at the Lavender Festival, yeah, but we sure. did a honey sampling up there as well, where we okay. paired it with a hard cider. Got it. I wasn't at that. Sounds oh, like that that a great fun. Christmas gift for everybody. Buy a sampling pack of... Well, especially when you could... So, And that's the thing. When you try like rums next to each other, you start tasting the flavors. Think oh, yeah. about having three different honeys and be like, ooh, like oh, that, all the neat flavors. Oh, yeah. I've... Uh, yeah, a couple years ago when I was still bartending at Sugar House, I would go to Eastern Market and I found some really great honeys. I really enjoyed uh, sort of experimenting them, making syrups out of them for cocktails. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the difference between... There was they had one down there. It was a wildflower honey that was really fantastic, so fragrant. It made a really beautiful syrup that we yeah. mixed uh, with an old fashioned, um, and I thought that was great. I would still love to work on some stuff like that. So when was I don't that? Know, uh, a couple of years ago, maybe three years ago. It's interesting you say that. Avalon Bakery in Detroit. Um, I went there. It's actually three years ago. Well, I went there not like literally a couple of weeks ago, and they set up a. Uh, drink coffee drink, and they'd had honey syrup hmm. with their coffee yeah. drink. So I don't know if it's progressive. Like Detroit City Distillery makes a honey syrup that yeah. they put in their cocktails, and then uh, Eastern Market Brewery actually makes. They did a blonde ale, um, and they did uh, an IPA using the honey. Actually, yeah, I was in a Powers Powers Irish Whiskey competition. Nice. I was actually at. Um, What's the keep in the basement? Yeah, I did. I used a yeah. really great totally. wildflower honey from Eastern Market. That was so. That was a little over three years ago. But here's I do. I love the I love honey and cocktails. Oh, and yeah. I thought it was that was the first time I had really, you know, I went down there and I didn't really go there with the intention of. I didn't understand the nuances between the different flavors, but when I got down there, you know, I just bought, you know, four different ones and was playing with them and. You know, the one really stuck out to me. Isn't it crazy yeah, how the really different it. flavors, yeah. different floral, different spice? Yeah. Because we also have two hives up on Bon 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 and Hamtramck, and she uses it in one of her bonds to make a honey caramel mm. that is out of this world. It's so good. A practical question. Is yeah. there an expiration date on honey? There is not. It's the most preservable food on the planet. Uh, they actually found honey in the pyramids. Wow. Uh, now, sometimes honey, when it gets more oxygen, oxygen or moisture, it will do what's called crystallize. And so it gets hard. Uh, you might have had that happen. It's still honey. All you have to do is don't put it in the microwave <laughs> because you ruin all the great, you know, healthy bacteria and stuff that are in there. Uh, you just boil a pot on the stove uh, and then turn it off and just take the jar of honey, set it in there. And by morning, it's back to liquid. And that's good with commercial honey or or farmer's market honey? Yes. And, but just be careful. A lot of the stores sell, quote unquote, honey, but it may not be pure honey. It may be, um, you know, uh, corn syrup or- Is there a regulating body that offers, you know, more clarity around that or so any type of- they're, they're 
Kind of. Um, I don't know if you've heard of this, the new show on Netflix called Rotten. Um, mm-hmm. Their very first episode was all about honey. It's fascinating. And uh, unfortunately, uh, there's a lot of honey that's shipped over from China that's not technically honey. Because mm-hmm. honey has to come from nectar. But they're feeding bees sugar water, which isn't oh. true nectar. So by definition, it's not honey. So they pasteurize it mm. so that they can't trace it to see where it came from. Yeah. But So then they stop. There's this big embargo or whatever against China so that we don't get honey. So then China was sending it to smaller countries Mm -hmm. and then shipping it from there. And they started to go, how are they getting that many thousands of gallons of honey from that tiny little island and started to realize that? This is an incredible labeling question. I mean, they they can grow because are you part of the U.S. you know, DA labeling stuff? I mean, do they – and we went into this whole new thing as this last administration came in where we don't have to label everything that we have to do. And in a couple of weeks, we're going to have uh, somebody from the agriculture here talking about labeling and whatnot. And So currently, no, uh, honey falls into the cottage law. Hmm. And the cottage law allows you to sell it uh, without having to have to be a part of that. And Up to how much? Is there like a, like a cap? So um, you can – there really isn't, but there's a cap for if you are – doing so much honey, then you need to do it in a commercial kitchen. Okay. And at that point, are there laws for labeling? I'm not sure because we're not up to that point. Uh, We're not really in the honey business. We're in the business of education and conservation. But uh, we do get honey, which is nice so that we can, you know, sell it to make money for our nonprofit. You can make a lot of things commercial kitchen, though. A lot of things, really, Hmm? if you think about it. When you you go to restaurants to to set up hives, is it on the pretense of getting honey for the restaurant or is it on the pretense of learning about bees? Both. Uh, so it depends on what the restaurant wa- wants. So everybody has a different arrangement. So like with Alex at Bon Bon Bon, she uh, just wants 25% of the honey and we keep 75 uh, because she's using that amount. But then and that's other, it? Yeah, like, other, so she put – like you put a hive there and she gets 25% of the honey? Well, I mean with businesses, we do charge ah, – um, okay. if, if they want all the honey, we do have a, a charge because okay. and at the more percent you have, right, right. the more the charge. The work. Because right. if we can't sell it, we can't make right. money. 100%. Um, and then there is like a service charge for I, – I do all the ordering. Mm-hmm. I do all the bees. I do all the maintenance. I do all the treatments for mites. Okay. Um, so there is a small service fee as well. But it, it's what works best for that facility. If they want all the honey, great. And then some places just want the honey so that they can uh, like have it to give as gifts. Um, Bedrock, for example, we have six hives on the 615 Lafayette building and they're jarring it up and it's going to be part of like, you know, baskets that they make. Oh, I should work like for Bedrock. I want, I want this honey. <laughs> half, half a Detroit or you for should Bedrock. just get. Uh, no, I will. Um, no, I will. Yeah, I, I've uh, got. Yeah. I'll talk to you later. I know no. a great guy that sells honey. So, <laughs> no. what what got you into honey? What what got you into bees, or what got you into honey? Or so I'm a I fifth assume... grade teacher, hmm. and yeah. about ten years ago, I got a call from our science coordinator for our district. I'm up in Rochester um, uh, schools, and uh, they said that the Women's Garden Club of Rochester would like to send a teacher up to Beaver Island uh, to take a two-week crash course on beekeeping through Oakland University at the Biological Center up there. And I was like, wait, a free vacation for two weeks? (laughs) Sign me up. And so I went and I just, I, I, here it comes. I caught the bug. 
<laughs> okay, I'm here all night. Cut the, um, cut the buzz. Yeah, that too. Yeah. Oh, weird to use that one. Know, um, but I'm just saying. Just and so uh, I just fell in love with the bees. And to be honest with you, I tell people. It was the bees knees? It was the bees knees. I knew it was coming. <laughs> Shoot, you beat me to it. Um, I was going through a hard time at that point And going in the hives, I call it my yoga. It's like when you go in there, it relaxes you. And so the bees were there for me when I needed it. And so now that they need it, I wanted to return the favor. What is the average size of a hive? Because I'm picturing like this kind of small body. So the hive itself is no more than three feet by three feet. I mean, it's, but you stack upwards. Um, so it's, it's a little less than three feet and you stack up and you add boxes as it goes. And like same I hive. said, that's the same hive. Yeah. Okay. So you just keep stacking mm-hmm. if they are growing and then some just don't grow as much like we talked about. Uh, but usually in the summertime, a healthy hive has about 60,000 bees in it. So that's where we got the 6 million number because if all of our hives mm-hmm. have that, it's about 6 million bees. And what happens in the winter? They just all die off? Or they no, they actually, um, around time. fall, uh, the queen starts laying eggs that are just a little bit different, and they're called the winter bees. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're designed just a little bit different. They have stronger wing muscles that they vibrate in the hive to create friction, and friction creates heat. And they form a cluster or a giant group bee hug in the hive around the queen, and they keep the queen about 90 degrees. Even today when it's below freezing, the queen is a balmy 90 and enjoying her margarita or whatever. In there. <laughs> no, but, uh, nobody so, can see it. I'm giving Nick a bee hug right now. Right. It's, it's, it's great. I see nice and warm now. <laughs> I stung him. Sorry. Sorry, dude. No, it's wrong so, bee. Yeah, wrong that, bee. It's, it's quite amazing, that bee, bee cluster. Oh, what else was uh, be, uh, the whole thing was uh, uh, Blade Runner 2024. 20- God, with the movies again. <laughs> I got to th- – because you know what? America does this pop pop, pop, yeah, pop culture thing, right? So right. Blade, the last Blade Runner movie had a whole B thing at the end of the movie. And, I, yeah, and there was a transformer named Bumblebee. I, I can give you that. Oh, my God. <laughs> All right. This one, this one like grew the society. Yeah, boys, <laughs> raw honey versus not raw honey. So raw honey is – it's basically straight out of the hive. There may be a – like I put mine through one little filter to get all the extra wax out, Mm -hmm. but it's not pasteurized. It's – Straight out of the hive, mm-hmm. and some people actually like it still in the in the you know the wax, and mm-hmm. you can eat the wax. Um, so that that basically is the difference between okay. the two. And if you had to recommend one, you would want to have. Oh, you want raw honey okay. because it has all of the things in it that are really good for you. I Got mean, it. a lot of people like I know people that take it daily in the morning and swear that they never get sick because it, you know, it helps build up immunity. And it also, some people believe is some people believe it's good for your allergies because you're taking Mm, trace amounts of some of the flowers you may be allergic to, which is then building up a tolerance for them. And this is all based on, you want to get the most local honey you can to your place of the, where you're living, right? Ideally. I mean, but if it's within your region, there's very similar, similar flora, you know, so I mean, but it's obviously if you get uh, orange blossom honey, which by the way is amazing, that's from the Florida area. So it's it's going to be a different, you know, nectar or pollen that's in that. So bees hibernate though, right? No. So they're forming that cluster. So, so in the wintertime when you're – You literally just explain what they do. <laughs> no, I get winter. it. But I'm saying like in – like there's no bees like swarming and, and like no they don't cu- they don't leave the hive unless there's like maybe a 
one of those freak. This is Michigan, fifty to fifty-five degree day. Right. And, so, uh, so unless you have, and like, like a, everybody else, they're like. <laughs> they all put their shorts on yeah. and they head out. Right, yeah. right. Oh, that so, makes perfect sense. Unless you have like a, you know, a, a, a place that's like having the bees, like they're not out in the open. Uh-huh. So right. you have to have like a place that's like going to house hive. them. A hive. <laughs> you don't bring the hives inside. Yeah. They stay right in the same location outside. So all my beehives, they're still up on the parking structure of the Rensen. They're still up on Kobo's roof. They're still along the DeQuinder cut. They're forming that heat inside of that right out there, the open. If you didn't do it, what would they do? What do you mean if you didn't do it? If you didn't do it, they wouldn't do it because there's what some... What define it? If you If there wasn't like someone like you making these places for them on top of Kobo... They, they would form a cluster inside of but, a tree, but they wouldn't. Or, they wouldn't do it because we're d- destroying the uh, ecosystem that they're in. Well, there are uh, feral hives out there, so there's beehives that are inside of a hollow tree or inside something that's empty, and they're going to do the same thing they would in the hive. But this but, just allows me to check. But on it's them. almost like deforestation, right? Like we're destroying their natural habitat that they would have been in had we not messed with their like system, and that messes up the whole bee. Colony and beehives. Well, bees are now classified as domestic animals. Um, and so they are classified as that. They are the same as cattle. And so they are raised by humans. But the difference is there's not m- many, you know, wild cattle running around in our woods. There all, are also feral bees or bees that are not in cap, not being managed or tended is, to. Is there honey? Is, is a feral bee's honey different than a grown bee's honey? No, Probably only it, in the respect not, that they're in a different area, Yes, right? exactly. So there was one hive in Livonia last summer that was a feral hive underneath somebody's steps, like a concrete steps. It was an empty space. And I relocated those bees, but all of the comb, I, I harvested the honey from it. Man, it was good. It was very Ooh. buttery flavoring. It was really good. Um, but that was more, like you said, because of the location, the the flora that they were getting their nectar from. So when we had the cheesemongers on, they were talking about these cheese competitions. Do they have honey competitions? They do. Okay. They do. I've never competed myself, Mm -hmm. but uh, people do put their honeys into competition and you can win the prize. They even put their wax. They'll melt down the wax um, and have the purest wax. Uh, My mentor that taught me the bees, actually, she used to do that and she won a few times. That's great. Yeah. Hmm. There's this very expensive honey that comes up like on Amazon searches or Google called Manuka. Manuka, yeah. What is Manuka honey? Manuka is a plant that's out of Australia or New Zealand. Um, And the reason it went so expensive was supply and demand. Mm. All of a sudden it was known as the superfood and it had all these properties that are even more than some of our, because of the plant they're getting it from. And so the demand for it became so great that the price went up. Is there any like, what verified. kind of price are we talking about here, Joe? Two, two, 250 bucks a jar. <laughs> a bigger jar. It's okay. gone back down. Oh, and I, I, we had at one of our samples uh, at the at uh, Bee Nectar, we mm-hmm. had Manuka honey so people could taste it. Mm-hmm. It's very different. The texture is even different. It's kind of a grittier hmm. honey. What's, what's the price of the jar you brought? What's the what? Price of the jar you brought tonight. Um, we do our small ones for $10 and our large ones for 20 Wow. So different. And what? Like commercial? No, so different than what we just talked about. Like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. I mean, this is, um, from a taste perspective, this, uh, this jar awesome. that you brought is like the cleanest. Yeah. That could last forever, yeah. though. I mean, it's delicious. It could last forever, though. Yeah. It's, I mean. it's, I'm telling you, Detroit honey 
is, I mean, I had, before I moved to Detroit, I had hives up north and they were good too, but Detroit honey, there's something about it. It's just really pure and just really It's amazing. the place to be. Yeah, I'm telling you. From Detroit, we got the best honey. Yeah, so let, let's segue. So we're drinking mead. Yeah. And it was mm-hmm. awesome. I, I demolished that little sip you gave me. Yeah. That's, so th- this is made with uh, your honey? This is not. Oh, no. uh, this is from St. Ambrose, which is up north of oh. the Traverse City area. Yeah. And they have their own hives. Uh, but mead is one of the oldest forms of alcohol. Hmm. Uh, it's been be- being made forever. And at, what it is, it's basically uh, you take a, a large amount of honey and you let it ferment, uh, just like you do with anything else. And then you can add fruit flavors like this one has apples, cinnamon in it. So it's more of a fall one. Um, and so the, the flavors are endless. Uh, Bean Nectar has some amazing uh, – they have a cherry chipotle mm-hmm. that is so good. It's like sweet at the beginning and then there's a bite on your tongue at the end from the, the chipotle. And I don't think people know how big mead is in Michigan. Because not only do we have three pretty big producers, but isn't there a big uh, mead competition that happens here too? There is. And we actually have who some people say is the godfather of mead, uh, Ken Schramm, who wrote mm-hmm. uh, the Bible on mead. He's right here from Troy. Yep. Um, and so, He'll be our guest uh, next week. Oh, oh, is he really? <laughs> yep. He's okay, a, next week. He's a great guy. Um, and I actually went to a couple of his workshops and we got to meet a mead right there at the workshop. It was really cool. Yeah. Is that the Mead Father? Like the Mead Father. <laughs> the right. Mead Father. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, yeah, like Mead's big. Um, there's uh, 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 Fred Minnick. Equalizer. He just wrote a Mead book? Denzel Washington. I don't <laughs> want to talk about Fred Minnick. Oh, you're not a fan? That guy bothers me. But here's Ooh. the thing. Mead creeps up on you. I mean, Trinity. it's strong. Yeah. I mean, Mead will really What is the percentage on, on that? This one is a sizer, so it's not as strong. It's like 6%, but a lot of the Meads are up into the double digits, which, I mean, it's pretty strong yeah. for- And they're pricey, too. They can't. Yeah. They yeah. They definitely can be pricey. It depends on you know the other products that are in it. And so a, a sizer is mixed with cider. Uh, I I think so. Yeah, I think I it, I know it has apple juice in it. Okay, that makes it sense. Does say yeah. that so because yeah. there's also a braggot too, but that's beer and cider, right? I don't know. I don't you know. guys are there's, also technical. Well, there's just all sorts of mixing. These are yeah. questions for next week, right? Right. Yeah. Mixing. Yeah. 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 Mixing. So, 101. So, I know we're I know we're getting to the end. I I'm going to go throw my novice question out. I wasps, they're wasps. <laughs> <laughs> I've I've learned so much tonight. I'm so grateful for you beyond. Is there anything about bees or honey that you want us to know that we didn't ask about? Hmm. I just they're just amazing creatures. I mean, what the organization of a hive is just unbelievable. I mean, I think we as humans could learn a lot from bees uh, because they they are a collective and they work together. And it's it's just unbelievable to me. And that's another thing that appeals to me about them. I just think they're fascinating creatures. Um, and I, there's so many other facts about bees that I could go on and on. But uh, for the novice, for the person out there who doesn't know anything about culinary aspects or the beverage, you know, person who's just like shopping at Kroger and like, hey, I picked up our podcast and want to learn about honey or bees. Is there something that, that they should take away? Let, let me, let me, this is a, this is only a six ounce jar, but we have our bigger one is a 16 ounce jar. Let me put it in perspective how hard these bees work. So to make one 16 ounce jar of honey, it's going to take a little under 1200 bees and they're going to go back and forth, back and forth. They're going to fly. Um, about uh, 114,000 miles. Yeah, you heard me right. Mm-hmm. And they have to visit about 4.5 million flowers to make one 16-ounce jar of honey. 
So the only reason that we can get the honey is because there's strength in numbers. And the native bees are solitary. So that's why they're so important because they can pollinate in large quantities. Uh, we wouldn't have almonds and blueberries if we didn't have the honeybees because the almond groves out in California, it's a mono society and they have to ship bees in because the bees can only stay there for when they're blooming and then they have to ship the bees. So they'll actually take them to the, the watermelon fields of Texas and then to the orchards of, you know, Florida. So, I mean, these bees work hard. So I always say, you know, like tell the kids, they worked hard for that honey. So when you <laughs> slather your biscuits with honey, when you're done, you lick that plate because you don't want to waste one drop because they worked really hard for that. And I, I want to also make sure that people understand we don't take all their honey. We have extra boxes that go above the brood chambers. We didn't really talk about the hives. And that's where we harvest the honey from. It's excess. They make enough that they have extra. Thank goodness. But I leave about 80 to 100 pounds of honey for the winter because that's their cupboards. They have to eat in the winter. Um, and so that's their food resource in the wintertime. Okay. So to study, to be a bee scientist, there's a, there's a term that's like one of the coolest words ever. Apiist. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Apiist. <laughs> How many apiists are there in Metro Detroit? Actually, there's a quite a few beekeepers in Detroit, which is really exciting. It's kind of fun that there's so many people that are starting to show interest. And I, I think I have more of a trained eye, but I'll walk around. There's that little neighborhood that's right across the street from the new arena. And I was walking there and I was like, oh, there's a beehive <laughs> right in someone's backyard because they don't need much space. And so there's a lot of hobbyist beekeepers out there. Mm. Um, but there are also a few uh, beekeepers that are, you know, do it, have more than just a few hives as well. So I've, I've wanted to start. I've actually bought a couple books on it. Are there any rules or regulations? Does it depend on the city? Every city's different. Okay. So there are ordinances against it, but more and more uh, cities, uh, I, I won't call out the city, but one city uh, a company wanted to put hives, but they had an ordinance against it. So together with the company, we went to the, nice. the meeting and we got it overturned Good. because we're starting to realize that it, it's not as bad as, uh, as what people uh, think. So, so wh- where can people find out more about uh – Bees in the D. Uh, you could definitely go to our webpage at beesinthed.com. Um, we have a lot of videos on there. We have BTV, so you can see some of the things mm. I'm doing in the hives to to actually see some of the things we talked about. It's B-E-E-S um, in the D. Yes. Yep. Not yep. B, yeah. yep. All spelled out um, except for D because it stands for Detroit. Yeah. Um, and our, we also are on social media. If you like us, we do bee facts uh, at least one or two a week. Uh, just all about different bees so that we're trying to educate people. Awesome. Yeah. Well, Brian, thanks for being with us. It was a pleasure. All right. Until next time, dine well, friends.